many of you guys are optimists? Optimists, you're like, man, no matter what's going on, I believe that this is going to work out. How many of you are pessimists in the room? Pessimists? Come on. You may also go by the name realist. Anybody a realist in the room? There you go. I, I figured I'd catch most of you with that one. So, you know, when we think about hope um, and we think about, like, how we're to live as believers, when we have chosen to put Jesus first in our life, is to think about, okay, so we should really be more optimistic now, right? I mean, there, it's just, we should just be optimistic because we have Jesus on our side. It's amazing. But a lot of times, we, uh, we can look at our circumstances, we can look around and we can say, you know what, this is really hard to be optimistic right now. It almost feels fake, right? Like, no matter what's happening, it's okay. These circumstances, they're all going to work out. And those of us that are pessimists slash realists, um, there's a difference, right? Is there a difference between a pessimist and a realist? It is a hair of a difference, but it is. I mean, those realists, man, it's good, though. But sometimes it's easy to be pessimistic, right? Because you look at our society, you look at our culture, you look at politics, you look at government, you look at all the things that are going on, and it's super easy to say, this is horrible. And it's easy to be pessimistic. It's easy to be realistic because a lot of times what we look around and we see the things that are around us and we're like, well, this is really all there is, and so this is what reality is, and this is all there is. And I think that hope is something different. It's actually a third or maybe fourth option than just being an optimist or a pessimist or a realist. Hope is something completely different. Hope is something that goes beyond our circumstances. There's probably several big ideas today, but one of them would be that this, this is that hope is not based on our circumstances. Many times optimism is. Well, I know that it's not looking good, but you know, I know that this person's going to come through for me. I'm optimistic. Or pessimistic, be able to say, well, I know this is all looking this way, but this person's not going to come through for me. Pessimism. But hope is different. Hope is something that we put our faith in. Hope is something that we have, and we place our hope into something. So we can place our hope into people. How's that going to go? Anybody ever put your hope in someone to do something for you, and they, they, they totally, like, bailed on you or didn't come through? Raise your hand. Everybody raises their hand on that one, right? We put our hope in people. It's not going to go well. We could put our hope in things like a job promotion or a new job. But what happens when you don't get the new job or you don't get the promotion or you don't get the, the raise that you're hoping to get? If you put your hope in that, your hope fades. You can put your hope in yourself because you're awesome. How many of you know that you've put your hope in yourself at, at times and it hasn't gone well? I think one of the, the people that we let down the most is ourselves, right? Is we, we set these goals and we're about ready to start all of our exercise programs and all of our diets, right, in, in come January 1st. And we're all going to just have like this whole new like life that we're going to start, right? And, and we're going to set these goals and then by, I don't know, I think it's within the first few weeks of January, like 80% of the New Year's resolutions have already been broken. That's awesome. So that's a good job. Look forward to that. But we, lo- we let ourselves down. So I think one of the questions we asked last week that it was really helpful was when we talked about peace. Oh, by the way, side note, how's that going? Is the peace of God, you know, guarding your heart and mind this week? Has that gone super well? 
How much rejoicing did you do this week? Anybody rejoice this week? Okay, good, good, good. What was something else that we were, that we were told in, in that passage in Philippians to do? Rejoice, to be sure, be thankful maybe. How many of you were thankful this week? You got up, you know, I'm thankful for what I've got. Yeah, this is amazing. Um, what was that, something else that we weren't supposed to do? Don't be anxious about some of the things, right? About anything. How many of you were not anxious at all about anything this week, right? That's a tough one, especially during this time of year. Well, there's something else, too. I mean, how many of you um, did what the Scripture said, was like, rejoice, be thankful, but bring your petitions to God in prayer? How, does that, how did that go this week? Now, it's not a formula. It's a lifestyle. That was the big, big emphasis last week. That is not about, oh, I rejoiced. I was, I was glad. I was thankful. I didn't, I didn't get anxious about anything, and I prayed. So the peace of God will guard my heart and mind. It's about a lifestyle of that. So that when you, get, when you walk into a room, you're able to understand what's going on and be understanding of that and have the wisdom and have the spirit lead and guide you into what it is that you need to do and say. Be an encouragement to be able to maybe cry with someone, to maybe to be sad, to be joyful, to whatever that is. But it's a lifestyle of saying, I quickly come back to understanding who I am when it comes to my identity in God. So the peace of God is a thing. The hope is something else. You know, we're going to want peace all of our lives and even beyond that, right? We want peace. Hope is a little bit different. And the question we asked last week that I thought was really helpful is this idea of like, when did you realize for the first time that the world was not a safe place? When was the first time when you lost your peace? And so I want to ask a similar question this week. When was the first time when you realized that hoping in things or in people or in yourself wasn't going to work out. In a way, like when was the first time that you lost hope? Maybe you had a little bit of it and you lost it and you don't have any hope. Maybe you've met people who have said to you that, you know, I I don't have any hope. I feel hopeless. Somebody today said to me, I'm hopeful that this is going to happen. We want to be hopeful in something. And so when we look at Scripture, we see that the very first time that hope was lost is back in Genesis 3, back where we started last week. And that passage that we looked at last week is the first slide up there. That was the one where God was speaking to the serpent. And Matt, if you can pull that one up from Genesis 3. And this is what God said, and we understood this. Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, we're going to talk about that, those last two lines next week. We're going to talk about joy. Now, someone having their head crushed and someone striking the heel doesn't seem very joyful, but we're going to get there next week. But that's the very first time that we kind of see that there's some sort of plan that God has. Their paradise has been broken. God's command has been disobeyed. And yet God kind of like inserts this little bit of hope in that, those comments that he made 
to the serpent. Then he speaks to Eve, and he, and he says this, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And then God speaks to Adam, and he says this, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. The very first time that hope is lost is right there in Genesis 3. Could you imagine if you, I mean, maybe, ladies, it's easier for you to imagine yourself as Eve. If you would have been kind of like the cause of all this. And, and probably when God's speaking to you, you know, when you hear that, those words come over you, that you're not really thinking about someone crushing the head of the serpent or striking the heel. You're, you're, not, you're not really thinking about that. Or, guys, if you can relate to Adam, you can say, like, you know what, to have those words spoken over, over us, it would be like, hey, now this is what the consequences are of what you've done. I mean, all hope is lost. Paradise is lost. Hope is lost. We're not thinking about the fact that maybe God somehow snuck in there a little bit of a, of a prophecy, a little bit of a, of a foreshadowing about this, this, uh, this Savior, this Messiah that was going to maybe bring the hope back that there will, would be hope because of his, of his coming. That's what Advent is all about, right? It's about really thinking about what would it have been like to, to really be looking forward to Christ, and now we look forward to him coming again. But imagine what that would have felt like. It would have been pretty rough. We've talked about this, I think I said it last week, despair is when you believe in your heart that tomorrow is going to be the same as today. That there is no hope. For Adam and Eve, as you look at that, as humanity is like really losing all hope, I think it's very hard for, for them to see any type of light, any type of hope at all. There's a, an image... Um, a painting that maybe some of you have seen going around um, the inner tubes, but this is a picture of um, Eve and Mary. Do you have that? I want you to just look at this picture for a second. I know it's a little small. There's a lot going on in this picture. Maybe some of you are noticing the serpent wrapped around Eve's leg. Maybe you're noticing her holding that, that fruit. Maybe you're noticing her reaching out to Mary's belly. Maybe you're looking at Mary's hand consoling Eve. It might be hard to see, but some of you might be noticing that Mary's foot is crushing the serpent's head. You see, in Genesis 3, there was hope, but it's really hard to see it. When I saw this, this is what, what I, I kind of got from it. I said that there, there was some hope. 
that there was something that, that Eve didn't understand, didn't see, didn't, couldn't see, but that hope was, was there. A promise was being made. You fast forward through the, the Old Testament and you look at Isaiah. You look at Isaiah 9, very famous passage when it comes to Christmas and Advent. Um, we'll look at that right now and kind of just understand it. And before we do, I just want to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us because I feel like some of what we think hope is and if we could really apply it and place our hope in the right thing, I believe our lives are going to be different when we walk out. So Lord, we just thank you, God, for your word. We pray, God, that it would change us. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher, we are the students, and we are here to listen and to hear and to move toward you. God, we just pray right now that you would speak to us through your word in Jesus' name. So Isaiah 9 looks something like this. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in, dark, in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Everybody say Zebulun. Everybody say Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. And then skipping ahead a few verses in Isaiah 9, we see that then this is the famous passage, right? This is the one that says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wonderful counselor, um, by the way, doesn't mean that he's a great therapist. Counselor in that, in that word. Thank you, Kara. For it's, it's, Jesus is my therapist. <laughs> counselor there actually has the meaning of strategy. That he is strategic. That he has the ability, and in, in even in a war situation, in battle, that he is a wonderful strategist. It's a little different meaning, right? But this is the hope. Here we are, we're sitting here about, no, maybe you don't know this about Isaiah, but he is surrounded by basically the pits, man. I mean, Assyria is going to come, going to exile all of Israel. It's going to be horrible. There is nothing good that is happening. Circumstances are garbage. And he writes this passage. And he foreshadows and he prophesies about, about Jesus. He talks about him and he says, hey, I know that this is all gloom and all dark and there is no hope that you can see, but there is a ray of hope. Because for unto us a child is born and he will be a wonderful counselor the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is the guy that we are waiting for. But how do you write that in the midst of despair? You see, how many years between Isaiah and Jesus? Probably about 700. 700 years. So Isaiah doesn't write down, for unto us a child is born in 700 years which could have been helpful for the people of God, right? Because they were waiting a long time. Does anybody want to wait 700 years for something? I mean, we have a hard time when we're waiting for the microwave to heat up our dinner, right? It's literally two and a half minutes, and it's not fast enough. 700 years? 
I think that it's kind of like this. If we were looking at Chicago and we saw the John Hancock building and we looked across, maybe we were like on this side of the lake. I think we got a photo of that. And we see the John Hancock building, and somebody tells us that, like, the 95th floor has this great restaurant. It's called the Signature Room, man, and it's got all kinds of good stuff. Is that, thing, is that still a thing? It is still a thing? Okay, cool. And we want to get there. How long is it going to take us to walk there? 700 years, right? First off, we're going to have to get a boat. Or we're going to have to walk around. But once we get to the shore of the other side, when we're there, how many, how many blocks is it from there to the John Hancock? Now, some of us may know this angle, this shot, and have an idea, but how many, how many shady neighborhoods do you have to walk through? <laughs> Maybe none. How many alleys do you pass by? Anybody got that number? You see, from this perspective, it's really hard. There's days when you can see the Sears Tower from almost here. Has anybody seen that on a clear day? You can almost see, and you get a little further north, you can see the Sears Tower. And if you were to say, I'm just going to get out of the car and start walking, how long would that take you? You can Google map that. Somebody can, can Google that right now. Just tell me, like, how long does it take to walk from here to downtown, to the John Hancock. I gotta say it's probably around eight hours, is my guess. But we don't know how many bad neighborhoods we're gonna go through. We don't know how many things are, we're gonna face. We don't know how much traffic we're gonna cross. We don't know how many red lights we're gonna experience. We don't know how many other people we're gonna have to deal with on our way there, right? So when, so when, would, what's that? 12 hours and 25 minutes. And eight minutes, okay. I, oh, okay. You guys are arguing about how long it's going to take to walk. I think you guys should start walking and see. It's 36 miles. This is all good information. Look at that. This, the, the world at our fingertips, Kara. But here's the problem with Isaiah 9. Is if you look at it and if you look, the people of God are reading that and they're using that as their hope. There isn't a timeline. But there's hope. For unto us, a child is born. There's hope. Um, let's, let's try this, Matt. Um, if you swipe over, are you good? Okay, let's try this. Let's not look at that. This is what happened last night. We'll see if it works again. It's about perspective. So when we look at, when we look at this, it's about perspective. So let's just, you guys ready for this? This is going to be brutal. All right. So let's just talk about, this is Eve, okay? She has three legs. Okay, good. <laughs> and this is, this is, wow, he's a lot bigger. Um, this is Isaiah, right? He looks like a stormtrooper, somebody said, I think. And, and here's, here's what, here, and here's, here's Jesus. There's the cross. All right, well, you want to draw, want me to draw Jesus? Okay. So this has got to be really good, right? He's got the sash, you know, and then, I don't know what's going on down there, but okay, we're good. 
So Eve, Eve has these words in, in, in this, this moment where she has no idea how long it is till that happens. She's not even thinking about it. Isaiah prophesies about this guy, but he has no idea how long it's going to take to get there and how long it will be before he's here. But there is hope. And here's what's amazing is because of the scriptures, God has given us the ability to see it from this perspective. We know that there was 700 years between these two. That would have been really helpful, but they didn't have that. And so what we know is that sometimes our circumstances speak to us in a way that is going to try to rob us of our hope. But we don't know what the timeline is, so we just continue to hope. Why? Because we know based on Scripture that what God says is trustworthy. That what He has promised is going to happen. This is part of who you are. If you believe, if you put Jesus first, you have a conviction that it doesn't matter what my circumstances look like. It doesn't matter how good they are or how bad they are. I have hope because I have hope because I know that what Scripture has shown us is that it's going to be true. Now, if we look at this in another way and we say, all right, so here's Jesus. Let's try again. All right, so there's a sash again and then you guys, okay? All right. It's better? Wow. And here we all are. I'm just going to draw one of us. Hey, oh my gosh. What's happening right now? I don't even know. You guys, you guys. So this is us, right? You know what? Just be okay with it. This is how, how long has it been since Jesus? 2,000 years. And where are we headed? We're headed to see all things renewed. All, God is going to make everything new. He's going to make everything. It's going to be amazing. And we're going to have this day, this day one day that's going to be awesome. This awesome day. All right? I'm just going to write awesome day. How long is it until that happens? I don't know. And what are we going to have to go through all these things we're going to have to go through to get there. But as the people of God, what we know in this crazy chicken scratch is that we have to have hope. And, and if you look at hope this way, if you look at hope like, um, imagine this is, you guys are going to love this. That's a box, okay? And you have hope, all right? Some, I'm hoping at least that you have at least a little bit of hope. And the question that I have for you is, what do you put your hope in? Because if that's not sturdy, if, that's not, if that doesn't have integrity, if that doesn't have the ability to hold whatever comes your way, you're going to see it fall apart and your hope is going to be lost. So those things can be you. You can be, put those things into other people. You can put your hope into, into all kinds of things. But what's amazing is that when we look at Matthew 4, just swipe over to Matthew 4 real quick, we see that this is the truth. That when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, and, which was by the lake in the area of what? Zebulun. Everyone say Zebulun. Zebulun. And Naphtali. Say Naphtali. 
to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And all of a sudden we see the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And this is what we see, that now we see that God is delivering. So what is it that we put our hope into that allows us to have that hope not fade? You know, I was thinking about this. You think about like uh, a person like Nelson Mandela. I believe he was in prison for 27 years, something like that. And he talks about how he had hope in the darkest of conditions. I think about uh, those who are being trafficked, human trafficking victims that are out there right now that we're trying to reach and trying to somehow say we can find a way out of this. That they sit there and they have no hope. What are they putting their hope in? Maybe you could have been, you know, if you were born a different place in a different time, maybe you could have had one of these homes that was burned down in these fires in California. What, what, what are those people hoping in? The, these mansions, these, these amazing homes that were burned to the ground, what are they putting their hope in? This is crucial because we're all going to face a lot of stuff. So this picture, this box, is, is what I, I want you to be thinking about. What are you putting your hope in? Because you should have hope based on what we've read, but let's just look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, I think, kind of gets at it. So it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his mercy, he has given us new birth into a living what? Hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So for us, there's an absolute truth. That is, we put, and we, when we have put Jesus first, we have become new. And that new birth is we have been birthed into this life that we did not know was possible. And when we look at that, we can understand that there may be years ahead of us. There may be time ahead of us. There may be a lot of ups and downs ahead of us. But what we have is we have a hope because Jesus Christ rose from the grave. But I think if you look back at that scripture, you see that there's something else. And I think this is the piece that I want you guys to, to kind of end with. When you are hopeless, when you are sitting in an environment that has no hope whatsoever. You're, you're looking at your burned house down. You're looking and you're struggling and you have no hope. Where do we find it? It's, it's definitely true that we, we put our faith and we put our hope in Jesus Christ, for sure. But I believe that there's something else that's important for us to think about, and it's this, is that this new birth, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection. And he's, put us in, he's given us this new birth, and here's what I think it is, is that when we live with integrity, I'm not saying that we're perfect, when I'm saying that we live with integrity, when we are trustworthy, which means that when I offend you, that I come to you and I say, okay, let's work this out, I am Sorry, here's what happened. 
or when you, have, uh, you, you do something wrong or you, you mess something up that you're quick to say, here's what happened and let me own that. When we're trustworthy, when we have integrity, what that does is it says that there is hope. When, when you live your life differently than the world and you walk into work or you walk into school or you walk into your home and you are living differently, You've developed a lifestyle of rejoicing, of being glad, of being thankful, of praying about the things that, are struggling, that you're struggling with. When you literally walk in and something changes, it's not you, it's the new you that has Jesus living in you, and through the Holy Spirit, it's changing the atmosphere. Have you ever, can you imagine a day when you were to walk in and maybe somebody who's known you for a couple of years says, you know what? You know what, Kristen? I've noticed something about you. No matter what's going on, it seems like you don't really base the fact that, you know, life is falling apart or it's going really great. You don't base your life around that. You have something else that you're using to fuel your day. What if we were to do that? What if this Christmas, instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to put my hope in whatever is under the tree this year. My kids don't count on so much there, right? Or if we were to say, instead of hoping in whatever it is, that you, you fill in the blank. I don't know where you're at. But here's the thing. When we, like Adam or Eve or any of those in Scripture, who are walking with shame and guilt, it's hard to have hope. Because shame and guilt about things we've done, things we've said, things we didn't do, things we didn't say, opportunities missed, all those things weigh us down and it blinds us, and all we can see is the destruction around us. But Scripture is clear, and Jesus wants to lift you out of that. He wants to heal your heart and say that he's not shaming you. He's not guilting you. He might be convicting you and say, you know what? There's a better way. There is hope for you. There is hope for you in Christ, but I want you to look around. Look at the people who are doing good things. Look at the people in your life that are investing in you. Look at the people who are here. Look at the volunteers that welcomed you into this building today. They didn't have to do that. This band that's going to come up here, then come up right now. The band that comes up here right now, that's going to play these songs for you, they didn't have to be here. Why are you here today? We're here to remind each other that there's hope. There is hope. We have the one and only thing that we can tr truly place our hope into that will not deceive us, that will not fade, that is not empty. But everything in the world that we would put our hope into is going to let us down, it's going to deceive us eventually, it's going to fade, or it simply is going to turn out to be empty. That's why we're here is to remind us that we have hope. And then this is the last thought I'll give you. Interesting that all the words in Advent that typically go along, you have, you know, love, and you have peace, and hope, and next week will be joy. Hope's the only one that has an expiration date. 
You see, we're going to want peace all of our lives through eternity. We're going we're gonna to have love, and we're going to be surrounded by that for all of eternity, right? We're going to have joy for all of eternity. But you only need hope until you're with Jesus. Then you don't need it. Hope has an expiration date. And now, and I don't know, I don't know how long between now and whenever we see him face to face, but now is the only time that you can really use your hope and give your hope to someone else and allow them to see that there is hope. Why don't we stand? God, you are a good God and you have shown us so much in your scriptures today. All the way back from Genesis 3 and then seeing the, the despair that would have been wrapped up there. and Lord, to Isaiah and that moment in history when everything was seemingly falling apart for the people of God. But then to see that, Lord, your promise to bring hope to the world, to continue to bring peace and love and joy, all of those things, Lord, that we've longed for, to allow the shame to be broken off of our backs and the guilt to be broken off of our backs, that this little child that was born, that would be all of that for us. God, we pray that we would not lose hope. But Lord, as we experience each other as we are a part of each other's stories as we see lord what you're unfolding in this place as we begin to literally give hope out tomorrow night at the food truck to to hand a police officer or a village worker this week a, a, a small care package lord that that would be a symbol of hope and Lord, on Thursday night, when we're with the truck drivers, that they would say, no one, as they sit there and say, no one notices me, no one cares, no one even realizes that I will not be with my kids on Christmas. And then we are able to be with them and to share them a little bit of hope. You see, the cool thing, God, I think that, that, that it is, is that we, we need to realize there's no end to your hope. There is no supply that we can run out of. Lord, your hope is something that we can share all the time. But Lord, I pray that first and foremost that we would do business with you over the next few minutes. That as we sing, we would ask ourselves, am I living in a hopeful way? Do I have hope placed in the right thing? And if we don't, God, I pray that we would pray for that new birth. Lord, for some of us that have said, you know what? I'm not feeling it. I don't understand why I'm not feeling it. Maybe, Lord, it's because we've never truly stepped over the line and received the new birth, Lord God, that allows us to live in that living hope. So Lord, hear us as we sing and help us to be changed on the inside. Something that we were just talking about this morning on the way here is that a lot of times it's easy to trust God for where you've been, but it's hard to hope for where he's bringing you to. You know, as you look backward, it's easier. And as you look forward, it's really dicey. And my prayer today is that, you know, as you maybe say Merry Christmas to folks, that you know that the Merry and the Christmas, the reason that that's a thing is because of the hope that we have. It's because of the hope that we have. So second place, as you go today, may you live out of that living hope. May that fuel you. May you know 
that all the things that God is connected to are always living, always alive, and always growing and healthy. And, and as you go, may you live out of that hope. May this day and every moment that you live be a reminder that you have hope and that it has an expiration date. And one day, no matter what it looks like right now, good, bad, one day, we won't need hope anymore because we will see him. We will be with him and all things will be new. We won't have to hope for our tears to be dried. We won't hope that our pain will go away. We won't hope that death has been overcome. We will be experiencing that. May that drive us. May that fuel us this week as we go. Help us to be hope in dark places this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas to you, and definitely take some time to help us package up those bags in the back or make a card on that side. We love you guys. We'll have see you guys next week.